in Acts chapter 20, is headed to Jerusalem. Every place he stops on the way, the people are warning him that bonds await him. Uh, that doesn't move him. He uh, comes down to Miletus, which is on the coast. Ephesus is further inland. He doesn't want to be delayed, so he sends some messengers up to Ephesus and calls the elders of the church to come down. And he's going to instruct them. And like in verse 28, he tells them, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock, or which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. And he warns that there's going to be people come in that try to destroy the church, the flock, and even from their own selves, there's going to be people raised up. Still today, we're, we're shocked when churches split, but actually, uh, he already forewarns us uh, of this. And um, he, he is um, telling them that he's not going to see them again. And uh, it's very emotional time. You see the last verse, 38, that they are hugging his neck and crying. And uh, he says, um, in verse 32, And now, now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. He knew he wasn't going to see him again. He couldn't babysit him. He couldn't be always on call for them. And so what's he going to say to them? How's he going to leave them? And he knows that they'll make it. Well, he says, I commend you to the word of his grace. And we've tried to, in this beginning of a new year, encourage you once again, if we're going to make New Year's resolutions, to determine to get into God's Word. And we talked a little bit about Daniel and how Daniel had a specific place that he went to, a window that was faced towards Jerusalem. He had a specific time. He prayed three times. And he had a, a plan. It says there, as he did aforetime. And so we've encouraged you to, if you're going to have a quiet time, which there shouldn't be any if about it, when you have your quiet time, you need to find a place. You need to have a time. And you're going to have to fight for that time because it's going to be challenged. And you need to have a specific place that you go to. And we covered all that last week. And then on page four, I just give you some guidance that I remember when I was going to seminary and a missionary from Mexico came, and every day at the school, 
we'd have a chapel time about 10 o'clock in the morning and different people would share something and and uh, <laughs> most of the time it wasn't very practical. It was just feeding this knowledge. And this missionary came and it was so practical. And he just talked, he just held his hand up and he talked about if you have time, we don't always have time, sometimes we need to pray quickly and go on, but if you have time and we're talking about having a quiet time, that there ought to be confession, adoration, thanksgiving, intercession, and petition in your prayer. And it should be, as we see in the palm of this hand, all surrounded by faith. Now today, I was just, there's many tools. When you read the Bible, you can ask who, what, where, why, and when questions. But I really like this approach. And actually, this is one of the more exciting lessons that, for me, that I like to give because it, again, forces me to get on a daily and a weekly schedule about studying God's Word. And what we do, if on page 6, um, we find the word meditate. Joshua said, In this book of the law shall not depart out of my mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. And that word meditate is kind of like a cow that's chewing its cud. It's, it's taking the original grass, went and laid down, its first belly puts it back up into the mouth and uh, it chews it again. Well, I know that we can get a daily Bible reading schedule and we can try to read the Bible through in a year. I've never found a person who didn't get distracted in doing that. I despise it. <laughs> I can't, I'll, you know, I'll read my three chapters and close it and, and say, okay, what did I get out of that? And, uh, well, I did my duty today. <laughs> but, but the Bible should be read to benefit us and to learn. And, and so sometimes, you know, if we're out here, if we're out here panning for gold or going to gold, look for gold, we need some tools. We need a pan. We need a shovel. We need some knowledge about how to go searching for it. And so when we, we, we approach God's Word, there's some nuggets in here. All the Bible is profitable, but there are some very specific nuggets and so in the last, the last pages of this uh, little handout I've given you, I've just given some verses that you could look at, and you don't have, necessarily have to do them one, one a day. You could if you want to. But, and, uh, and there are some real um, nuggets in some of these. And so what I want to do, I want to, first of all, um, I think the first uh, in um, on page nine, if you go down there about a third of the way, it's Isaiah forty-one ten, where it says, "Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee; yet I will help thee. I will help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness." And so what I want to do, instead of just reading uh, page 6 and 7, I want us to uh, go through what we would call meditating uh, on God's Word. And we're going to, as I said, we're going to look at 
Uh, Isaiah 41.10. And give you uh, it and uh, um, work through this. The first, the first thing, the step one, is to perimeter the verse. That simply means uh, go ahead uh, before the verse and behind the verse. But I think before we even go there, we got to ask the question. Are the promises in the Old Testament for New Testament believers? Or are they only for Israel? Or are possibly they're both and they're distinct? Well, if you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and the 20th verse, um, oh, I'm in 1 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him amen, unto the glory of God. And so Paul is writing here to the church at Corinth, and he's saying all the promises of God are yes, yes, yes. And, and uh, therefore, uh, both Old Testament and New Testament saints. And that the Bible in Romans talks about where children were, were, uh, were, of the, were Israelites by faith or were of the circumcision by faith. That were children of God, uh, both Old Testament and New Testament, but but uh, these we are. Not, it doesn't in the Philippians. It talks about we're, we are of the circumcision. We are a part of the covenant of Abraham, and uh, that doesn't. And what we got to realize, and I'm uh, kind of stumbling around here because I don't know how many scriptures I should run to, but probably just try to keep it simple. The promises given to the nation of Israel that there was going to be a, a king that rules from Israel over all the world is still going to happen. Israel is going to be a dominant world power in the millennial kingdom. And so those promises, see a lot of times what people try to do, they try to take those promises that are specifically to Israel and the land and apply it to the church. No. The church and Israel are two different entities when it comes to uh, promises to a group of people. And Israel is going to again rise up. And, uh, and you know, Netanyahu, he's claiming the promises of the Old Testament and saying God's with them and they're going to destroy Hamas. And, but if you read the scripture, uh, one of these days, all the nations of the world, including the United States, are going to come against Israel. 
and God's going to destroy them, their leadership. But so that doesn't apply. Uh, and also, you know, when a, when a person sin in the Old Testament, it said they should bring a certain sacrifice and offer it to God and their sins would be forgiven. Well, those promises of the Old Testament don't apply because Jesus Christ fulfilled that. And we find in Hebrews how that the Old Testament sacrifices were simply a type and a shadow of things to come. And when Jesus came, he fulfilled those types and, and, and shadows. Like also, back in 1976, and all you guys remember that, I guess, but, but we had our 200th anniversary of, of America from 1776 to 1976. And it was really a big deal to, to, to quote Second uh, Chronicles 7.14, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll heal their land, forgive their sins and heal their land. Now, the first part of that, if, my, if, we, if we will humble ourselves and turn from our wicked ways, uh, God can work in our lives. But the the the... The nation of the United States of America is not the land that he's going to heal. There's nothing special about the United States of America. The principles before that apply. And so we have to be discerning. But in this passage, in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, there's no, there's no need for us to question that this promise is yea and nay. Now, the first thing that we would do it would be to perimeter the verse... And then, perimetering the verse, we go before it and afterward and look at it. And basically, uh, just to speed things along, is that it's a, it is a time when Israel is, is going to be in captivity and they're going to be turned from the captivity of Babylon. And God is promising them that he's going to be with them. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be, thou, be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. And though it primarily applies to them, it also applies to us. And there's much said in Isaiah that is for New Testament times. And so, uh, we perimeter the verse. And then the next thing we do is we paraphrase the verse. And, you know, you can make as much of this as you want to. Uh, but all it's trying to do is trying to get you to think about it and say it in your own words. And so to engage you and get you on your toes and to put a little bit of fear in you that you might be called upon <laughs> and that you have to think this morning. Uh, Chris, I want you to quote or to, to paraphrase Isaiah 41 and verse 10 in your own words. What's it saying? And we're not talking about we don't want to paraphrase Bible, but we want to know. <laughs> but we want to know if uh, what you think about it. What, how would you say, what's it speaking to you?
saying fear not, you know, he's going to be with them, but, you know, it's like the storms of life are going to come about you. Don't fear, because I'm with you. Amen. I'll sustain you. Amen. Anybody else want to take a stab at it before I call on you? Before I, I, I draft you? I wrote, uh, I don't have to fear or be bewildered for God is my God. He'll enable me. He will help me. He will hold my hand. And so... Uh, it's just trying to get you to read it over, chew on it a little bit, and, and see how it might apply to you. And then we, uh, we try to, what, what, I, what we have in our little booklet here, pulverize the verse. I quote it to myself out loud. I can try to emphasize every word, like in Philippians 4.13, the example we gave on page 7. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And if I, enter, enter, if I emphasize certain, verse, certain words, I, that is, it applies to me, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can, like the little engine, I can, I can, I can. You know, we get to the place where we think, oh, I can't do this. But I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I can do some things. No. All things that are, all things that are biblical, all things that are necessary, all things that confront me. I can do all things. And then, how can I do all things? I'm weak, you know. I'm like water. I'm, I'm uh, unstable. I can do all things through Christ. And then I can do all things through Christ. Why? Because he strengthens me. And I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Another th way to kind of pulverize the verse would be to say it in the negative. I don't know if I put that in here, but... Uh, to say it in the negative is almost blasphemy. I can't do anything. I, I can't do anything. I, f I find myself alone, that I have no help in Christ, and, and I have no strength to go on. Well, you know, when I think about that and put it in those negative terms, it actually shames me, because a lot of times that's exactly how I think. Because I've concentrating on myself. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And then you personalize the verse, say how would this work in my life, and then we pray the verse. And so if we look at Isaiah 41 and verse 10, uh, I, I want to break down here just some phrases. First of all, the phrase, fear thou not. What do you get from that? 
Huh? It's a command. And what did you say, Brother Don't worry. Yeah, don't worry. But let your heart be troubled. We've God, we've also me and my father's house. I go to prepare a place for you. That he never leaves us nor forsakes us. And so here I am, unsure about tomorrow. Unsure about my health. Unsure about my finances. And the Lord says, fear thou not. Don't be afraid. And then the second phrase. Fear thou, fear thou not why, for I am with thee. Remember when Paul was on the boat and and uh, it was pretty bad, and it was a pretty bad storm. You rocked in, you rock. I think there was an L in there someplace, but you Anyway, it was a bad seasonal storm. And remember, he said, uh, you know, he told the men of the ship, "Don't, don't abandon the ship for, for this night. God has stayed, stood by me, or stood with me, and." He, and uh, we need not fear, he's saying here. God says, don't fear, because I'm with you. Is there any New Testament verse that verifies that? In Hebrews? Doesn't God say, I will not leave thee nor forsake thee? So I'm all concentrating and focusing on my energy and my strength and the terrible thing I face tomorrow. And God says, hey, I'll not leave you nor forsake you. I'm with you. I'll be right here. And we say, okay. And then he makes a, uh, he says, uh, be not dismayed. For why? Why be not dismayed? When he said, I am with thee, and he says, fear thou not, then he's going to emphasize it a little bit stronger. For I am thy God. Not Buddha. Not any of the false gods of a multitude of gods they have in Egypt. But the unknown God of, that Paul talked about at Athens, let me talk to you about the unknown God, the one who created the world in whom we live and move and have our being. That with his voice, he uh, created the world. And it was only his hand, uh, uh, Psalms 19 said that, that it was his handiwork. But when we come to Isaiah, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The greatest work that the Lord did was not his finger work in creation, but it was when he bared his arm 
and sent his son to die. And so we need to think a little bit about how big is our God? Because sometimes he said, I am thy God. And sometimes what happens in my life when I'm all focused on myself and my problems, God becomes a little, you know, about the size of a, maybe a basketball or maybe a grapefruit in my, when he's, when he's big, bigger than the sun, he created the sun. How big is your God? I am thy God. And then he says, I will strengthen thee. How many times do you see I will in this verse? Three? I think it's more than three. Let's see. One, two, three, well, it doesn't say always I, but it, he does, he will, he will. He says, uh, for I, am like, I will strengthen thee, I will help thee, I will uphold thee with thy right hand of my righteousness. I guess there is, let's see, I will, maybe there's only three. And then, uh, I might as well say this here. What do you say, what do you think, he said, why do you think he put that little word in there twice, Y-E-A? Why do you put that in there? Y-E-A. Huh? Yes, I'll do this. It's not a problem with God. It's a problem with us saying, yay, I'll do this. Yes, I will do this. Why do you think he had to do that? Why did, why did God have to go that far in, in this promise? Because you're thick-headed. We're thick-headed. We lack faith. We don't believe God. And he's saying, Listen, I will send thee. Yay, I will. I'll do this. Get into your heart. Here's a promise that we can stick our teeth into. See, the problem, the problem with you is we go through life bumping along and we don't promise ours. We used to sing a song in Sunday school, every promise in the book is mine, every chapter, every verse, every line. What helps me make it through a difficult day? The promise of God. And here we are, supposed to be witnesses for the Lord, and we go out and they see us. <laughs> Oh, man. And uh, they don't need our God. And so he says here, I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Which says a couple of things there. One is, he's not going to just solve your problems without you taking some steps. I will strengthen thee. Why? Because he's going to enable you to do what needs to be done, but you gotta, you got to avail yourself of the strength that's there. You know, I'll, I'll supply all your needs according to my uh, riches and glory. And somehow we think that we need to be a little bird and sit on the 
uh, fence rail and open our mouth and wait for God to come and drop it into us. Well, the little bird doesn't do that. He gets out and he scratches for food. And so he says, I will strengthen thee. And then note, I will help thee. He'll enable us. That he'll help us. Not do it all for us, but enable us to do it. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. That um, I um, he'll hold me. Sometimes we need to, I remember, I remember as a little boy uh, going to some place where I uh, was not before and a little bit um, questioning and, and a little bit not knowing what, what was happening or what would happen. And I remember on a number of occasions where I would uh, reach up and grab a hold of Dad's hand. And I knew that everything's okay. that my, my dad could take care of anything. I remember one time going to the coast of Oregon and we went to Seaside, Oregon and there's lots of little shops there and lots of activity going on. And, and uh, of course, coming from Fossil, Oregon, we, you know, we just kind of take off. <laughs> and and uh, somehow, I, you know, I was sticking pretty close to my mom and dad, and, but somehow uh, they went that way and I went this way, and I was right beside, I, I felt the pant leg right beside me. And, and, and so I just was looking, and there was lots of fascinating things in the shop windows, and seashells, and Japanese floats, if you know anything about that. They had big glass floats that, that uh, they used for fishing, and they'd go to the bottom of the ocean, and there'd be sometimes so much, oh, this is chasing a big rabbit, but they go, sometimes, they'd go down so deep sometimes that with the weight of the net and the stuff in the net, that the pressure of the ocean would press water through the glass bulb. And you could find a float that had water in it, and you know you knew that it had been down at the bottom. Well, I was looking around, and, and so I got ready to go, reached up and grabbed this hand, and the guy kind of shook, and I looked, and it wasn't my daddy. Boy, uh, my heart was, <laughs> was pumping. I saw him, and I went over there, and I got a hold of him, 
And he wasn't going to get away from me again <laughs> when he never was getting away. But what I'm saying is this. That he'll hold our hand. And sometimes we may find ourselves a little bit down the street from where we need to be. And he promises here, he promises, I'll uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. And so, five times he says, I, twice he says, yea, and as Chris mentioned, we're commanded not to fear. And so if I get up in the morning and read this and go off to work, and when I get to work, there's a catastrophe awaiting me, I can just say, Lord, thank you for preparing me for today. I don't have to fear anything that you promised you'd enable me. And I'm looking to you. Help me do my job like it needs to be done. You see, that ought to be the normal Christian life, but it's not. It's not. And so that's why it's so important to try to carve out a place and a time to be alone with the Lord. Because we don't have the strength. We're unable without his power and his wisdom and his direction. And so that's what I'm talking about here when we're talking about, um, what time is it? Huh? Ten minutes. Ten minutes? Okay. I want to do one other one. Let's go over to uh, James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Verse 19 and 20. James 1, verse 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. If you perimeter this, and let me just again uh, say some stuff that to help out here. It's talking to Jewish believers. You see that in chapter 1, verse 1, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. And so James, as a pastor of the church of Jerusalem, he's writing specifically to Jewish believers, and they've been scattered abroad because they're underneath persecution. And... And he's going to address how do we react when we're facing conflict? How do we react when we're facing persecution? And, and uh, they're going to go through some great trials, he's telling them. And he says in verse 3, Knowing this, that the trial of your faith worketh patience. And that word patience really means more, instead of putting up with it, it means endurance. That I can endure this. And he says that, that 
Trials always work. And there's going to be trying times. And he says, in this trying times, he said, but uh, if you lack wisdom, ask of me in verse 5. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavers is like the wave of the sea, with, driven with the wind and tossed. And so he's saying that we need to ask for wisdom. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And so he talks about, you know, when we're going through trials, we can become unstable. Why, 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 why? And forget that, forget this, you know, I think that we, as our kind of thinking of Baptist, we do not like the word sovereign because of the Calvinist. But God is sovereign. And what we go through, he's allowed us to go through. And we shouldn't have instability. We shouldn't be, why is this happening? Well, it's happening because God's allowed it to happen. It's happening because you have made some bad decisions and God's letting it run its course. But God is not dead. That's what Romans 8.28 is about, isn't it? I've messed up. But God can work all things for good. And so he's talking about all of those things and the temptation to sin. And, and then we come down. Uh, there's a lot more there. But uh, he says, wherefore, because of these trials, because you've been scattered abroad, because of the temptations of the world and of the flesh and of Satan, Wherefore, be swift to hear, slow to wrath, because, because the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. And so, uh, important words here, if we're looking just at some important words, Let every man be swift to hear. When we come, we like, if there's two opinions, I like mine the best. And we're not always quick to listen. Especially if it's going to be a heated conversation, I know who I am. If you're firing at me, I'm not listening to you. I'm just, I'm just loading the gun. <laughs> I'm going to fire right back. But he said, no, be swift to hear. Somebody may be telling you something that you could hear. And then he says, be swift to hear. I don't like all this stuff here, but slow to speak. Efficient to engage your brain before you engage your mouth. And let me also say to you, <laughs> uh, engage your heart because listen, when things come out of a person's mouth and he said and he says, Oh, I didn't mean to say that. Yes, you did. It came right out of your heart. 
What comes out of the mouth is generated in the heart. Slow to speak. And then slow to wrath. And I think we need to notice there, he didn't say no wrath at all. He didn't say that. But he says slow to wrath. And we know that there is a wrath of man and a wrath of God. And let's make sure that what we're upset about is not because it's attacked my person. You've attacked my pride. You've challenged me as a person. Because we're to esteem others greater than ourselves. But wrath is not condemned over ungodly things. But then, but then this, this, the, the hammer the nail in the coffin for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Every time we have given a person a piece of our mind, I told him, man, I straightened him out. I gave him a piece of my mind. Well, <laughs> first of all, we don't have that much mind to be giving away. But when we do that, I guarantee you, it doesn't work God's righteousness. And so, not a necessary promise here, but man, such good, practical advice. And so I want you to take this and, and work yourself through some of these, you know, some of these verses I've given you. And, and you may read, you know, three chapters a day and, and you don't get much out of it and you don't find any practical advice. But part of that is because we, we are looking at the whole forest. When sometimes we need to stop at a tree and look at it and examine it and let God work that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than two edged sword discerning the very thoughts and intents of my heart and so so if I was here and you knew that I was dying of cancer and and uh, I knew that I wouldn't be here next Sunday my greatest plea would be, I commit you to the word of his grace. My greatest plea would be, get in God's word. And I know if you'll get in God's word, I know you'll make it. Okay? And so, take the challenge to have a quiet time. And you may, you may not make it one day, you may not, you may something come up and you just can't get to it. But you have another day. And it's, it's new every morning, His grace. And so I would just uh, plead with you by the mercy of God that you'd get into His Word. It'll change you. All right? You're dismissed.